are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday, we're going to talk about Zion Williamson playing the three out there on the perimeter. Well, it sounds like it is a realistic possibility for your New Orleans Pelicans. We'll talk about how that might look, where Zion needs to improve offensively and defensively, and why are they thinking about this in the first place. Then we're going to get into the Pelicans' Well, first game that we've seen, at least the schedule's being released Friday, which means we'll break that down on Monday. But hey, what about... The Pelicans on Christmas Day yet again. What does it mean? What's it signify? We'll talk about it all here in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so we're going to kick this off with what David Griffin said about Zion Williamson. That's kind of what set this whole thing off of everyone looking at him as a three, as a small forward. Let's hear what David Griffin has to say. You know, people, I think, unfairly look at him as a big and being limited to being a four or five. When we drafted Zion, the thing that excited us the most was the positionless nature of his game. So we really very much envision a time where Zion's going to be playing the three and defending the three, and he's going to be on the handle, and Steven's going to be the one setting the screen. And Coach Van Gundy can address a lot of these things, but can you imagine a double screen set by Steven and Zion? And Zion rolls to the ball. Steven's actually going to be able to make decisions in a DHO and in dribble handoff situations. So we think they can work very seamlessly together. So there's a lot here. You know, if you look at Zion and his play last year, other than really the game against the San Antonio Spurs, his first game where he kind of broke out, where he made four straight three-pointers, he was used primarily down low post-up situations near the basket. Basically, all of his shots came at the rim this past season. And so you think of him as kind of that almost back-to-the-basket big man with some of a face-up game um, in his repertoire, but you don't think of a perimeter-slashing player necessarily and based on how he played last year you wouldn't think that but it seems the Pelicans really want to unlock his skill set a little bit more and I'm going to play you something from Zion in a minute that kind of gives you a little bit more insight into that as well when you go back and look at him in college he kind of did it all he wasn't really just like a big man or a guy who only played down low he did a number of different things being out there on the perimeter being a bit of a primary ball handler at times for that duke team sporadically here and there working off ball being a post-up threat and kind of that anchor down low he did a lot of that and you didn't quite see that here in new orleans last year look 74.4 percent of all of his shots came within three feet of the basket You know, he took uh, 1.1% of his shots between 16 feet to the three-point line. 4% were at the three-point line. Uh, 10 to 16 feet is 2.2%. And then 3 to 10 feet was the second most area for him at 18.3. He gets his scoring done at the rim. But the thing is, he's very skilled. It's how you get him to the rim to score is a little bit maybe going to be different for New Orleans. It's not going to be a back-to-the-basket game. It's not going to be a post-up game. It's going to be him working as a slasher, working as an off-ball cutter, 
And you hear David Griffin mention that as well. So you can kind of see how they want to use him. I think people are getting hung up of Zion at the three. It just means he's going to be playing more on the perimeter. It might be him, if you're looking at it and organizing things by height, that he's still a power forward or he's still a center based on height on the court and kind of other players out there. But he's certainly not going to just be down low, hanging out by the basket. And it's going to be just a little bit more than that. And I think that's what they ideally mean to say you might also see some funky lineups where it's Zion at the three Nicolo Melli at the four maybe Steven Adams at the five with B.I. at the two and someone else maybe it would be um, Eric Bledsoe or Lonzo Ball at the one that's a whole hell of a big lineup and it's not a, a bad idea I don't know it's worth trying it'll be funky and I'm kind of excited for it But I think that's something that you might see too. But I think primarily this just means how they plan on using him. 20% of all Zion's possessions last year were post-up possessions. It's one of the more inefficient ways to score in the league. And I think they'd like to try and uh, cut that down a little bit and see if they can maybe find other ways to get him going, get him scoring. And maybe it's more on cuts. Maybe it's something else. And they try and improve that a little bit. And that's maybe what they're looking to see. Maybe it is in a dribble handoff situation, you use Zion because he does have good athleticism. He does show um, a good uh, sign of a handle. He only used dribble handoffs about two and a half percent of the time last year. Maybe he takes the ball from Steven Adams. Adams setting such good screens gives him room to go to the basket um, and you create space for him that way. There's more that, more ways to do it than just with three pointers. So I think you could find ways that it really works for Zion to try and get him open. And I think this is what they're really trying to kind of get to. But here, let's hear David Griffin a little bit more on what Zion's capable of doing. The thing that excites us the most is sort of what excites us about a lot of our roster. It's the versatility there and the positionless basketball we can play. Both Zion and B.I. have the ability to be ball dominant and make plays for other people. Bled can do the same. Steven Adams is a terrific passer and somebody who has the ability to make the right read. So we feel like that group, the hallmark of our group is going to be that we share the ball at a really high level and we take extremely efficient shots. And because both Zion and Brandon can handle the ball in a pick and roll, they can work as a screener in a pick and roll, they can screen away and be used as cutters off the ball, and they're totally willing to do whatever needs to be done to win basketball games. Those are the types of players that if it works out and everybody stays healthy, they can be franchise caliber players on teams that advance rounds into the playoffs. Now, he's not wrong on some of this. We, again, have seen that versatility from Zion. In 24 games last year, he had three where he had five or more assists. He had nine games, if you extend that out, to three assists um, or more. He's shown off some flashy passing, and he did some of that at Duke, too. He can lead a break if he needs to. He can pass the ball when he's double-teamed, and he sometimes does make bad passes here and there. But overall, you kind of were impressed a little bit with his vision on the offensive end. And if he can do that, he becomes more of a hybrid-type player that they the team doesn't necessarily see him pigeonholed into being a big man that you've got to just dump the ball to with an entry pass and let him go to work. You're still going to do that. 
dude's a freak of nature. You're going to let him cook down low, but they're also going to try and find other ways to get him open, I think, or to have him create for others. And just the natural attention that he draws. Remember that Spurs game, the first one, man, they just were trying to keep him, you know, keep the ball out of his hands. If he gets the ball, gets doubled pass. And that's how you can create open looks for others. And that's a very, very good thing for the rest of this team and creating high quality shots. And that's what they're hoping. So a lot of people are saying Zion at the three, it's Zion just playing a bit differently, I think, than he was playing last season. Now, what about the defensive side of the ball? Because that's where position matters a little bit more. And we're going to get into that coming up. Tomorrow, we're going to hear what Stan Van Gundy and David Griffin said about Lonzo Ball, as well as some clips from his media availability, too. We're going to play a clip from Zion, too, in a minute. He spoke to the media yesterday. So stay tuned for more this week coming up on Locked on Pelicans. Now let's hear what Zion has to say uh, regarding kind of what Brand, uh, what David Griffin had said about him playing multiple positions, what he's looking to improve upon going into this year. And the answer, well, not specific, was uh, somewhat illuminating, I think. And we'll discuss it after you hear it. What I'm looking forward to is showing the world me, just being myself and going out there and having fun and showing my competitive nature and trying to win. Uh, I know that's very vague and not the answer you're maybe looking for, but that's the answer that, is, uh, that just hits different for me. I'm, I just want to show the world my love, my passion, my competitive spirit for the game. That's what I'm most excited to show the world. It's not specific. It probably doesn't really answer the question. And Zion said as much kind of in the lead up to that one. But what I think is kind of interesting about this is it goes back to him at Duke and where you saw him kind of do everything, right? Defending out there on the perimeter, poking the ball away, going for a steal, grabbing it, and then getting out in transition and running, blocking shots, being a more well-rounded, versatile player than we saw how he was used here last year in New Orleans. And it seems like he's looking forward to kind of embracing that role and doing some more things and having more overall versatility, which ties into what David Griffin had said about him and what Stan Van Gundy has said about him and probably how they're going to plan on using him this year. So the question then becomes, why didn't they do it last year? What what went on there? And Zion answered that question as well. Um, I feel like there's a lot of my game that uh, I wasn't able to you know, showcase last year due to like just trying to fit in with the team, um, find my place and you know, just try not to be the rookie to mess up. Uh, you know, it was, it was a lot mentally that I was trying to process all at once. But, uh, you know, starting off fresh year two. Uh, it sounds like it was just typical rookie struggles with just trying to fit in, integrate himself into the roster after missing half of the season, probably not being in game shape fully when he did come back and play. Yeah, all, all of this stuff makes sense. And it should be a reason why you have optimism about around Zion Williamson going into this season, which starts in, holy shit, two weeks. And I'm excited to see what he's going to be capable of doing. He already showed that he has the talent to be a very good player, at least offensively. Now we're going to get to see him do a little bit more. Defensively, he's going to struggle, I think, still. And if he can process the mental side of things, and he just mentioned that, that it's a lot to take in. And now he's learning, you know, a new coaching system, maybe new terminology. There's a reason rookies struggle on the defensive side of the ball. They pretty much all do. It's just a whole lot. Learning the scheme, learning how to communicate, learning how to read everything and the terminology that comes with it is so different than high or high school, college that in some for some of these guys, basically high school, that 
you you struggle on that side of the ball. But now that he's played, he can watch more film. He can spend more time working with coaches and digesting what he did on an NBA court last year as opposed to a Duke court. I think that is a really big deal. And I think we'll see him improve slightly on that end. But putting him out there on the perimeter, if he's not in the best shape that he could possibly be, and look, Zion said there's going to be some struggle with that from people who weren't really able to work out like they always have, you know, because of COVID and everything going on. But if he comes in at better shape, I think you'll see that lateral side-to-side quickness improve. Clearly, the mental side of things, the anticipation should improve as well. But he's still going to get bullied by really quick guys on the perimeter. If you put him against LeBron James against Kevin Durant. He's going to get cooked. If he has to switch onto a guard because it's a wing pick and roll with them, uh, Kyrie Irving or someone else, he's, he's going to struggle with that. You don't want to see him chasing around Duncan Robinson, let's say, or Tyler Hero on opening, on opening night or in the Christmas Day game, which we'll get to here in just a second. It's going to be a little bit rough for him. And that's not something that anyone wants to see. So I think they're just, this is also why I think they might mean looking to use him, you know, as a three in the skill set of a three, but not necessarily at that position. Because if he's guarding out there, it could be a little bit rougher, though. He showed some unbelievable instincts. And if you've heard my podcast at all over the past, I guess, year and a half now when we've been talking about him, he showed some of the best instincts I've ever seen, just ball-hawking instincts at Duke that I've ever seen on any guy coming into the league. That's stuff that you can't teach. If he's freed up to be able to do that a little bit, I feel he could be a very good defender for the Pelicans next season. But it's going to start with that mental side of thing, knowing where to be, knowing when to rotate over. And it's going to start with that lateral quickness, which should improve somewhat if he's just in shape. And it seems like going into the season, he should be. There's no restrictions. No one said anything like that. Hey, there you go. That's enough to make for a significant jump in terms of his ability going into next year. And he was already good last year. So Pelicans fans, you should be pretty optimistic about everything. So coming up, Christmas Day game for the Pelicans. We'll break that down. What's it mean? Is that important? It actually is. And I want to quash a concern we had about Stan Van Gundy. Straight from Zion Williamson himself, I don't think Stan Van Gundy is going to have a hard time at all trying to relate to any of the players on this Pelicans team. I'll play that clip coming up here in just a second. So if you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network exclusively. NBA analytics pioneer and former front office executive and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcasts. So Pelicans on a Christmas Day game. Again, we're going to break that down here in a second. But I found a quote from Zion really interesting. And it ties into something that Stephen Adams had said as well. I don't have the audio on that for me. But the interesting one is more Zion. I feel like Stephen Adams is probably going to be able to relate to most people. And he's kind of an old school type of guy himself. So he should probably fit well with a more of an old school coach like Stan Van Gundy. But Zion being younger, it's a little bit different. But here's what Zion had to say about Stan. My impressions are very uh, great about him. Uh, you know, I think he's a great guy. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's old school, just like my stepfather and um, just like Coach K. So I feel like that's going to uh, be something that I'm going to easily relate with. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm excited to work with him. You know, he just, I can see his love and passion for the game when he's like even showing me like small things within the game. And, uh, you know, I love stuff like that. So I'm very excited to work, excited to work with him. 
Yeah, sounds like it'll th- things will be just fine with Stan Van Gundy as the head coach and being able to relate to these younger players. And seems like they're all on the same page. They all love basketball, and that's kind of the culture that they're building. Hoops junkies, guys that just love the game, and Stan Van Gundy loves the game. And if they're all able to kind of get in a room and talk about it, Look, these guys are going to be just fine. I think we can kind of quash that idea that Stan Van Gundy won't be able to relate to younger players. So the big news is the schedule is going to be out tomorrow. We'll break this down on Monday for you all for the Pelicans. What's it look going to look like? We have some idea of basically who they're playing. It's just what order in the NBA is going to release the schedule in two parts. First half and then second half because... Frankly, there's going to need to be some shuffling of games, I think, with the fact that the league isn't playing in a bubble. As I'm recording this right now, um, Shams just released the numbers that uh, 48 players out of 546 tested positive for coronavirus, almost 9%. If that goes on as the season goes on, like you're, you're going to have to shuffle some things around. There's just going to be no other way to do it. So we'll break down the first part of the schedule on Monday's show, assuming it's all out on Friday. And then... But we, but we did get a unexpected dump of news in terms of the opening night, two-night schedule of national TV games and of the Christmas Day slate. And the cool news is, while the Pelicans aren't playing on opening night, they are getting another Christmas Day game. This is the second straight year for New Orleans to play on a Christmas Day game. It's the fourth time they've ever done it. Um, most recent time before that was back in 2015 when they played the Heat, and they're playing the Heat again. And this is after they won against the Denver Nuggets in a night game last year. This is very cool. Getting on Christmas Day, really the marquee day of the NBA season other than opening night, is a is a big thing. They like to showcase some of their biggest stars, get them more exposure, and they definitely think that Zion is a future star. It's uh, Pelicans at Heat to start, then you get the Warriors at Bucks, the Nets at Celtics, the Mavericks at Lakers, I really love that game. And then the Clippers at the Denver Nuggets. Um, I, in general, love this this slate of games. We talked about it over at Locked On NBA today, if you want to go listen to that, or yesterday. Uh, it's a little unconventional. It's not cliche. I kind of dig it. And that's why I think Christmas Day is going to be a lot of fun. I wasn't looking forward to Lakers Clippers. You want to see something that's a little bit funky, and this definitely feels a little bit funky, unconventional, non-cliched, whatever you want. And it's pretty great. So the Pelicans getting the game against the Heat, I think, is also kind of a big deal, too. It's the team that made the finals last year, losing heroically, I think, to the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a very good basketball team, one that the league wants to highlight with a lot of star power, and they're throwing the Pelicans up against them. It's kind of one of the more marquee franchises over the past decade or so, and now you get the Pelicans playing them. They're trying to showcase Zion. They're trying to showcase the Heat, and they think it works perfectly with that. But it's also got a ton of storylines to it. You get the most improved player in Brandon Ingram facing the runner-up to the most improved award in Bam Adebayo. You get Stan Van Gundy facing his old team. It's just Zion on there against Tyler Hero, one of the other really good rookies from that rookie class. There's a lot of storylines on this, and I love it. And it also does mean that the hype around Zion is very much still real. The ratings were good around Zion uh, all of last season, for the most part, until they all took a dip. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And they're not looking at the numbers or facts, and they're just tired of it. Some of the shine wore off to some degree. Some degree, because the Pelicans were bad. But the second the Pelicans get good again and don't look like trash, the hype around Zion Williamson is going to become... is going to be coming back and stronger than ever. That's why the Pelicans are on Christmas Day. This is as marquee of a uh, day as it gets, and you want to highlight your up-and-coming guys, the guys that are going to be around all the time. And this is what it is. 
and the Pelicans are in that number. They're not on opening night, and I think it's kind of telling that, say, a team like the Mavericks are on opening night and Christmas Day alongside the Lakers, too. Um, and the Suns on opening night as well. But they clearly want to position Luka as one of the kind of future faces of the league. I really That's why I like that game against uh, the Lakers, the Mavericks, and the Lakers. You get Luka, future face of the league, and the current face of the league in LeBron James. So the Pelicans getting on here is a big deal. Still means there's a lot of hype around Zion Williamson, even if Vegas is kind of setting their over-under for wins right around 36, so about half the season. Overall, this is going to be a really, really fun team to watch next season. Uh, People are projecting and predicting good things, and they're going to get to show it on national TV in the first game of that day, which is like just early enough that a lot of people are going to be watching. And it's not, say, that 5 p.m. game between the Nets and the Celtics where maybe some people are taking a nap and going to miss out on some of those things. So the Pelicans in a good slot with Christmas Day, and it clearly says the league is still very high on this team. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Be back with you all tomorrow to break down Lonzo Ball like we did Zion today.